sharing good news of great joy to all people. Elation Church. Message series that we're beginning, and I believe it's going to take us all the way to Easter unless God says, no, we've got to have a detour somewhere along the way, but it's, I've entitled it Under the Umbrella. When we were setting up this morning, I needed the umbrella because it got pretty soaked because all of a sudden we had a downpour right at the end of bringing all the equipment into the building. But I'm not talking about an umbrella to protect us from getting wet in the rain, okay? I believe that God has always desired to be the king of his people. Always, from the very beginning. God desires to be king. And listen, as king, as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, he is able. Everybody say he is able. We looked at about eight verses last week to talk about God being able to. But he's able to bless you. He's able to provide for you. He's able to protect you. Somebody say God is able. God is able. And when he is king over his people, that's part of what we can expect. We can expect to be under the umbrella, to live our lives under the umbrella of God's blessing, provision, and protection. We can expect it. But we have to stay there and be there and receive it by faith, just like all the time we're talking about that. You might think that I talk about faith too much, but the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So who wants to please him? About three of us. Who wants to please him? If you want to please him, throw your hand up in there. I want, I want to live my life pleasing to God, and it's impossible for me to please him without faith. Without faith without having confidence in Him and in His Word, in His faithfulness. Okay. Let's keep going. This whole series is out of the book of Judges. We're going to be looking at not every single judge, but a lot of them. Some of the judges, we're going to spend more than one week on those judges to talk about different areas and aspects of their lives. But the Bible tells us something very eye-opening of what was going on with God's people during the time of the judges. And it doesn't just apply to everything chapter 17 and on. It's applying to the whole time, the whole season. The, I don't know how many years it was, but it's a long time of the judges. The Bible says in those days, the time of the judges, Israel had no king. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this in there. Because they didn't have a king, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right. Everybody say seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death and destruction. So we can't just live by whatever seems right, by whatever 
feels right, that's, that's not honoring God as king. That means that I'm my own king. I'm my own authority. If I live my life just by whatever feels right, by whatever seems right, then I'm in charge and God's not. Are you with me? So in those days, during the time of the judges, there was no king and the people just did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Look at the person beside you and say, that's a mess. That's a mess. Now, I want you to say this. God's a good God. Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 through 6. This was God's instruction to his people before they went in to the promised land. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're about to enter and occupy, he, God, will clear away many nations ahead of you. You're going to have to give me some grace on the pronunciation of some of this stuff. The Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, we all knew that one, right? Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaties with them. Show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your sons and daughters, your daughters and sons, marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me, God says, to worship other gods. Then, if you do that, the anger of the Lord will burn against you and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars. Cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols. For you are a holy people. Everybody say holy people. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. They weren't the only holy people. The Bible says that you are a holy people. You've been set apart. When you're in Christ, you've been set apart. Holy people, you're peculiar. Look at the person beside you and say, I thought something was up. I mean, the Bible says that you're peculiar. You're peculiar. You're a holy people, a holy nation. God says, you are holy people. You belong to me, he says. You belong to the Lord, your God. Now, let's get something straight. God always keeps his promises. I want you to say that with me. God always keeps his promises. Now you may know a promise of God that, and you're like, well, it hasn't happened yet in my life. Are there some promises in the word of God that the Holy Spirit's caused those promises to come alive in your heart? And you could, you could tell me today, well, God's made me some promises, but they hadn't. They hadn't been fulfilled yet. Anybody? Here's my encouragement. Don't waver. Talked about that last week. Don't waver. Hold on to the promise. And you can hold on to it. You know why? Because when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. 
Now listen, if I made you a promise, there could be something that could come up unknown to me that could stop me from keeping that promise, right? I mean, I could say, let's go eat lunch Tuesday and something could happen, you know? I could be on my way to meet you and all of a sudden the car just stopped or something like that. And it could stop me from fulfilling that promise. Let me tell you something. There's nothing on God's side that can stop him from keeping his promises. Except our unbelief, our disobedience. Because some of God's promises are if-then promises, and we'll talk about this later. But God's promise to his people was this. I'm going to clear away the nations before you, and I will hand the nations over to you. Everybody say, God keeps his promises. Now, this was an if-then promise. Let's listen to Judges before we get to our first judge. As the verdict is announced. Judges 119, the Lord was with the people of Judah and they put they took possession of the hill country but they failed everybody say they failed they failed failed to obey God right they failed to drive out the people living in the plains the tribe of Benjamin however failed everybody say failed to drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem the tribe of Manasseh Failed. Everybody say failed. I mean, they did not obey, right? They didn't do what God told them to do. The tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out the people living in Bethshan, Tanak, Dor, Ibolem, Megiddo, and all their surrounding settlements. The tribe of Ephraim failed, everybody say failed, to drive out the Canaanites living in Gizim. The tribe of Zebulun failed, everybody say failed, to drive out the residents of Kitron and Nahalal. The tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents, everybody say failed, to drive out the residents of Ko, Sidon, Aleb, Akzib, Helba, Aphek, and Rehob. If you got a different way to pronounce it, just go ahead. Instead, the people of Asher moved in among the Canaanites. Likewise, the tribe of Naphtali failed, everybody say failed, failed to drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Enoth. Now, God said that he was going to empower them. He said that he was going to help them. He says, all you've got to do is do what I'm telling you. Drive them out. They don't need to be here. You don't need to live among them. You need to tear down all of their temples and all their idols and all that stuff. I don't want any of that among you. Because if it stays among you and if your kids intermarry with them, you're going to wind up not living for me, not loving me, not serving me. You're going to start worshiping 
the gods of the imaginations, because they're not even real gods, the gods of the imaginations of that people. So, God would have helped them. Somebody say amen. God would have helped them do what he told them to do. He would have empowered them. They could have done it, even though there were more people and they were more qualified warriors. Hey, God said to drive them out and I will be in there working with you with your effort. It's not just standing back and letting God do it all the time. Sometimes we got to do something. Hello? And then God puts his super on our natural as well, like to put it. Right? When we obey him, then all of a sudden, he empowers us to obey him. Puts his super on our natural. I'll say it again until at least one more person smiles. Now God always keeps his end of the deal. But because his people didn't obey, they did not receive what God said. They didn't receive the empowerment. God didn't drive them out because they chose not to drive them out. Are you with me? So I don't want you to look at God and say, God's not a good God because he didn't do that. I don't want you to look at your life and say, well, God's not a good God because this bad thing happened when, when we blocked him out from being able to keep his promise in our life by our words and by our unbelief. That's hard preaching, I'm sorry. But we got to take some ownership. Got to take some ownership. Now, here we go. Judges 2, now we're at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The angel of the Lord went out from Gilgal to Bochum and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. For your part, you are not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Your covenant's with me, not with these people, not with the Canaanites. You're in covenant with me. God said, you weren't supposed to make any covenants with the people in this land. Instead, you were supposed to destroy their altars, but you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? Has anybody ever had kids and... You ask them to do something and then they wind up doing something else and you're just like, I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. Why? Why? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Why didn't you do it? So now, since you didn't do it, I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. You didn't keep your end of the deal. You didn't do the if, so I'm not going to do the then. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. Didn't God tell them that's what was going to happen ahead of time? Right? 
They knew it. If they didn't do it, they knew that that's what they were going to face and that's what they were going to live with. But God's just reminding them, your choice, your choice. Judges 2 verse 10, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. Here's the deal. If parents don't acknowledge the Lord, chances are the kids are going to grow up not acknowledging the Lord. The Bible says train them up in the way they should go, right? Hello? Come on. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember. I mean, didn't God do some mighty things? I mean, we did a whole series on going to the promised land and looked at all the miracles and all the, all the amazing things that God did. And now just two generations later, they don't even remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Why? Because their parents didn't say, hey, God's been good to us, and God's done this, and God did this, and God did this for your grandparents, and, and God has done this for me. And, and hello? They didn't even remember. The Israelites, as a result did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. God said it was going to happen. So they wound up worshiping the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. Is that God's fault? Somebody help me out. Because people read this and they're like, man, God's, God's rough. Well, by what they did, by how they were living and what they were doing, they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. Now, these words, angered. In Hebrew, if you look up that word that's translated anger in our English Bibles, it means troubled. Everybody say troubled. It means grieved. Everybody say grieved. grieved. We talked about grieving God. I think I even mentioned that last week, and we talked about it because, see, God wants you. To live for him, to love him, to serve him. He wants to be king. And as long as that's what you do, you live for him and you love him and you serve him, you can expect to be under the umbrella. Right? Come here, brother. Help me. My arms are like not long enough to do what I need to do. I want you to hold the umbrella. Okay. So, he's not God, but trust me. Right? Hate men from parents. He's not God. Right? He's God, he's holding the umbrella. I'm under, I'm living under the umbrella. I'm living for God. I'm, I'm serving him. I'm acknowledging him. But now, ooh, look at that shiny thing over there. 
look, I'm, I'll tell you what, you just stay over here because I'm going to go over here. Because I saw something that that's appealing to me. It's, it's what my friends and my neighbors are doing. And you know what? I really like that girl. And so I'm going to go over here. And then this girl that I like, she's like worshiping false gods. So, hey, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to worship with her next week. Okay? I'm going to do that. When I move out from under the umbrella, it's not God's fault. Are you with me? It's not God's fault. He's standing there holding the umbrella. As a matter of fact, if you could really see his heart, he's like, he wants me to come back. Has anybody ever heard the story of the prodigal son? The father went out to the edge of the property and looked to see, maybe today's the day my son's going to come home. The story of the prodigal son is not about the son, it's about the daddy. The daddy is God in the story. So he wants me to come back. He wants me to be under this umbrella, but now since... I'm doing my own thing and I'm not acknowledging him or living for him or loving him or serving him. Now, guess what? The fallen world mess because of sin can just start smacking me around all over the place. And the things that I'm running after, I begin to serve them instead of them serving me. I become in bondage and captivity to those things that I went after instead of God. And God's there the whole time saying, I love you. I've got so much for you. And if you will come back to me, you can come back to who I am. And he is blessing and provision. I mean, that's who he is. He's not happy that I'm gone. He's grieving that I'm gone. <laughs> so you get the picture? Thank you, sir. That's the picture for the whole series, so don't forget it. God is troubled. He's grieved. He's, he's breathing heavy. God is a jealous God. The Bible tells us that he's a jealous God. He's the only God, so if you're serving any other God, then you're on the wrong track anyway, right? When God's people abandon him, he's grieved, and he lets them have what they want. He'll let you have what you want. If you don't want him, he'll let you have what you want. When we abandon the Lord, we step out from under his umbrella of blessing, provision, and protection. So let's continue in verse 14. So he, God, handed them over. He's like, that's what you want, right? You don't want me to be king. You're not acknowledging me as king. So if that's what you want, here you go. See how that works out for you. Hand them over to raiders who stole their possessions. 
He turned them over to their enemies all around. And they were no longer able to resist them. Everybody say, bad day. But does that mean that God is not a good God? Come on now. Use your brain. Judges 3, now we're in chapter 3. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He turned them over. I've had trouble pronouncing this other stuff, but that's getting serious. He turned them over to King Kushan Rishathaim. Say it better if you want to. Of Aram Naraim. And the Israelites served. Everybody say served. Kushan Rishathaim for eight years. Names are important in the Bible, right? Come on. You don't just like, ooh, that's a cute name, so I'm going to name my baby this. Names are important. And I really hope that his parents did not name him this. I hope that he wanted to instill fear and he wanted to rule with an iron fist. And I hope he, he named himself this because it'd be a cruel parent. To name their child what this name means. Because that name means doubly wicked and dark. And see, in the language, everybody knew what the name meant. Okay? It's not like, so when you called his name, you said, hey, doubly wicked and dark. <laughs> I hope he didn't grow up with that name. If he did, I could come to the point where I can say, well, he lived up to it, right? Doubly wicked and dark is his name. Charles Spurgeon, anybody ever heard of Spurgeon? He said this, God never allows his people to sin successfully. Kind of agree with him. See, if we don't acknowledge God, because we're not just talking about those people back then and has nothing to do with our lives today, Right? If we don't acknowledge God as being king in our marriages, in our homes, in our lives, in our nation, in our businesses, if we don't acknowledge God, if we worship and serve the false gods, now, most of you probably don't have a little statue that you can pull out and you can go pray to and burn incense and all that kind of stuff, even though there are people around us who do that. That's probably not our experience, right? But if we worship and serve the false gods, like our passion and our existence is for money, is for stuff and possessions, for activities and for entertainment, if that's what we live for, whatever we live for is our God. Are you with me? Yeah. Y'all gonna be like, I don't know if I like this hard preaching or not. just want to help all of us. I want to help us. Not hurt us. <laughs> I want to help us. But if that's the way we're living, and that's what we live for, 
We're the ones stepping out from under God's umbrella of blessing, provision, and protection. We're doing it. And then when we do it and something bad happens, for the most part, like that guy that texted me last night, he's like, God is me. God is punishing me and he's, he's going to do this to me. He's not, you know, it's like weird. I don't know if he was drugged out or what, but he's saying like, you know, I want to die easy, but God is, you know, so mean. He's, he's probably going to run me over with a Mack truck and I'm going to go through all this pain before I die. I'm like, you should have been at church last week. <laughs> or this week. Because you got some bad theology going on. See, it's us who step out from under his umbrella of blessing, provision, and protection. We do it. We do it in our disobedience. We can also contribute to it through our Lego, through our systematic discourse of all these negative things, and by our own belief. Verse 9, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, who? You remember the picture, right? God's standing here. He's like, when are you going to come to your senses? When are you going to come back to me, right? I don't know why it took eight years for serving doubly wicked and dark. I don't know why it took eight years for them to come to their senses. Hello? Mm -hmm. But after eight years, the people of the Lord cried out to the Lord for help. Here's what God did. The Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. So when the people turned back to God, God said, okay, now that you're turning back to me, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you. And we're going to find out at the end of the story that God says, I'm going to give you peace and rest for a whole generation for 40 years. Hello? Because you turn back to me. God was waiting for them to turn to him. He waits for us to turn to him. God raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Othniel. Everybody say Othniel. Now through this series, we're also going to find out something else. God uses unlikely people for his work. Othniel, he was 75 years old. Everybody say 75. 75 years old. So most people at 75 years old, they're like, well, you know, I've, I've spent my life, I've worked, now I'm going to retire and I'm going to move to Florida. Problem is, most people in this room are already in Florida, all right? But, it's like 75. Now, a judge is not like a judge with a black robe. Here comes a judge, here comes a judge who's going to, who's going to rule in cases. And that's not what it is. It's a military leader. So out of all of God's people, God picked somebody 75 years old, Othniel. 
I think I could have said, hey, God, you know, I'm 75. I'm kind of chilling out. This is the chill out part of my life. And, you know, I'm not sure I'm up to this. I'm not sure that I'm up to leading a military campaign. It wasn't like he was sitting in the office somewhere laying out the plans. No, he was like, okay, come on, let's go. And probably leading the charge at 75 years old against people who outnumbered them, who outskilled them in warfare. He could have said, God, I'm not your man. He could have said, pick one of these strong 30-year-olds. I'm not willing to die today. You know, being out there in the front with a sword. I'm, I'm not willing to do this. He could have made excuses. But because he didn't make excuses, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He became Israel's judge. He went to war against the doubly wicked and dark king and his kingdom. So, he could have made excuses, but because he said, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'm your man. Even I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to tell you I'm too old. I'm not going to tell you I'm too tired. I'm not going to tell you that there's other people more qualified. No, God, I'm your man. And when that happens, God empowers. Somebody say God empowers. The 30-year-old couldn't have done it in his own strength either. Listen to me. But age doesn't matter when we're yielding to God, and God's the one who's in power. Hello? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He became Israel's judge. He went to war against the doubly dark and wicked king, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. Everybody say victory. God empowered him and God brought victory God will empower you and bring you victory we are more than conquerors in Christ is that what God said or not I mean am I saying that or is he saying that it's what God said God said you're more than a conqueror God said that faith is the victory that overcomes. That's what God said. I didn't say it. God said it. So, let's go with God. He'll empower us and bring victory. So, there was peace in the land, rest in the land for 40 years. God's people turned back to him. He, he rose up a unlikely hero, 75 years old. God empowered him. God gave him victory. And now the whole people, the whole nation, everybody had peace for 40 years. Hello? Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So for the rest of his lifetime, how old is he now? 150? 150. God brought peace. 
Is anybody glad you came today? Is anybody going to think about these truths that we looked at from God's Word and maybe consider what's going on in your life right now, what you're facing? And hopefully God will open our eyes. Open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you. We want to see your victory. We want to see your promises fulfilled in our lives. We acknowledge you as king. Hello? We acknowledge you as king. King of kings and Lord of lords. We acknowledge you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that we can hold on to your truth. God, we want to live for you. We want to love you. We want to worship you. We want to honor you in every area of our lives. God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, but it's up to us to acknowledge you as our King and our Lord, so we acknowledge you. We run to you. And when we're close to you, we can experience your goodness in a fallen world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This online worship experience was brought to you by the friends and partners of Elation Church.